This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, especially if this is your first time to see Getting to Know Your Bible. May I welcome you. Today we're going to be discussing this subject, Lost and Found. I hope that you'll stay tuned today. Now on our telecast, we offer a free Bible correspondence course, and may I emphasize it is free. We'd like for you to have it, and we want to pause long enough so that you can learn more about the free Bible course and learn how to receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading now from the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, and the first three verses. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the mind and of the, of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. I have noted as I get older how easy it is to misplace something. At least once a week I'll have to put on a diligent search to find either the keys to my automobile or the keys to my office. For some reason or other, they just have a tendency to get lost. And it may be a day or two before they are found. We want to talk about that which is lost today. And we want to talk about that which is found. Lost and found. The words that I've just read to you from the inspired word of God in Ephesians chapter 2 describe the condition of that which is lost. Lost. In verse 1, the people are described as being dead in trespasses and dead in sin. You see, when we live a life without God, it is like a death. James 2.26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, even so faith without works is dead, being alone. Physical death occurs when there's a separation of the spirit from the body. Spiritual death occurs when there's a separation of man from God. According to Isaiah, the 59th chapter, and the first two verses, 
It is our sin that separates a man from God. So the people in this passage are described as being dead in sin. You have you made alive who were dead in sin. In time past, they had been. In the past, they had walked according to the course of the world. And they had lived a life of disobedience. That's in verse number 2. And when he talked about the course of the world, he said it was according to the prince of the power of the air. They were living a life under the dominion of Satan himself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, Paul said, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. You see, Satan blinds our minds. These people were dead in sin. They were walking according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air. And they live lies to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And of the mind. And he says they were by nature children of wrath. Their lifestyle had become their nature. What they needed is what Peter wrote about in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. And they needed to be partakers of the divine nature. But now they were children by nature children of wrath. They had lived in, in darkness they had lived according to the course of this world so long that it was just their nature to be children of wrath. They needed to be found. There are two sides to salvation. There's a divine side. And on the divine side, we have the mercy of God. And notice ch chapter 2, verse 4 of Ephesians. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. Oh, aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. On the divine side, there's the mercy of God. In uh, Titus, the third chapter, and in verse 5, there the writer said, not by works of righteousness which we had done, but according to his mercy, his mercy, he saved us. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, Paul had been talking about how he had conducted himself before he became a Christian. And he was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But he said, I obtained mercy. Mercy. Because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. On, on, also on the divine side, there's God's love. Look at chapter 2 and verse 4 again. Because of his great love with which he loved us. Great love. God's love is indeed a great love. He loved us when we were not very lovable. He loved us when we didn't want to be loved. He loved us when we were breaking his heart. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Also on the divine side of salvation, there's God's grace. Notice verse 5. By grace 
you have been saved. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved. Twice he says the same thing. We're saved by God's grace. Were it not for the grace of God, none of us would have any hope at all. And it's because of God's grace that we have hope. In uh, Titus chapter 2, the Bible says in verse number uh, 11, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. The grace of God. The grace of God. Going to 1 Timothy chapter 1, where Paul had said, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man. I obtained mercy because I did it, did it ignorantly and in unbelief. And notice verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. See, on the divine side of our salvation, there's God's mercy. There's God's love. And there's God's grace. There's also the kindness of God. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2 now in verse 7. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You see, God wants people to be saved. He's a merciful God, a loving God, a gracious God, a kind God. And so there are two sides to salvation. And on the divine side, we see all that God has done. Now think about the human side of salvation. And there is a human side. There's faith that we must have. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. We're not saved by faith only, but faith is an integral part, an important part, a necessary part in our salvation. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of all of them that diligently seek Him. So faith is on the human side. And then we're not saved by our meritorious works. Notice verse 9. Not by works, lest anyone should boast. Someone says, well, Brother Lambert, that means that baptism is not essential to salvation because if one were to be baptized, he would be working out his salvation. All works are not included in the meritorious works of Ephesians chapter 2. And verse number 9. I'd like to call your attention to a passage in the gospel according to John. In John the 6th chapter and verses 28 and 29. John chapter 6, 28 and 29. What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Now remember we're not saved by works lest any man should boast. But that does not exclude all works. There are works that are essential in our salvation. What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He sent. You see, actually, 
having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is a work of God. So when we talk about not being saved by works, it doesn't exclude all works, not works of obedience to God, or else faith would be excluded. The gift, this is the gift of God, not of works. But the gift is not without certain conditions. The, the condition is through faith. Faith is the condition upon which the gift is to be received. Jericho was a gift, but there were conditions. In Joshua the sixth chapter, the Lord told his people he had given to them Jericho. But there were conditions about to, that they had to meet in order to receive the city of Jericho. They had to march around it a certain number of times, a certain number of days, and do certain things, and then the walls fell down. But it was, all, it was a gift that was given to them. On the human side, we are to have faith, a, a working faith, an obedient faith, a faith that does everything that God requires man to do. And then once we uh, do that, we become the workmanship of God. Notice verse 10. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So on the, there is a divine side to salvation, and there is the human side of salvation. Now the church is composed of those who once were lost, but now they're found. You see, before they were saved, notice their condition in verse 12. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Now that was their condition before they were saved. Notice it. They were without Christ. Without Christ. In John 15 and 5, Jesus said, Without me you can do nothing. They could do nothing. Without Christ. They were without Christ. I can't think of a more depressing thought than to think that I was without Jesus Christ. And he said not only were they without Christ, they were aliens and they were strangers and they were without hope and they were without God in the world. That's before they were saved. But then they were reconciled. Isn't that a beautiful thought? They were reconciled. Well, what does that mean? Well, the word reconcile means to bring two parties together again. And man was separated from God because of his sin. The only way that an individual could be reconciled to God and be at peace with God, be one with God, was in Jesus Christ. Notice verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who hath made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the amnity that is the law of commandments containing ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from, these, from the two, thus making peace, reconciled in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are reconciled by His blood. Notice verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near 
by the blood of Christ. They were alienated from God, separated from God, but now they're reconciled in Christ by His blood. They were reconciled through the taking away of the law. The law was a wall of petition that, that separated the Jew and the Gentile. And the Lord took that law down. Notice in verse 14 again. For he himself is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down a middle wall of separation. The law of Moses separated the Jew and the Gentile, but the Lord took that out of the way. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two. The two being the Jew and the Gentile. Now notice verse 16. That he might reconcile them both, that is Jew and Gentile, to God in one body. The body is the church, Ephesians 1, uh, 22 and 23. That he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And so they were reconciled. Before they were saved, they were in a terrible condition, without Christ, without God, without hope. But those who once were lost, now are found, were reconciled in Jesus by His blood. And the middle wall of petition that separated Jew from the Gentile was removed. Now what's the result of their salvation? One thing that happened is they became citizens of a great kingdom. Notice verse 19 here. We're still in Ephesians, the second chapter. Now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. They became fellow citizens with the saints. Fellow citizens. Citizens in the kingdom of the Lord. And secondly... They became children in God's household. That's in verse 19. But fellow citizens were the saints and members of the household of God. I like that expression, household of God. God has a household. God has a family. And those who were saved became members of the family of God. They became God's building. Notice verses 20 and 21. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, fitted together, grows into a holy temple of the Lord. They were God's building, God's household, and they were priests, in the temple of the Lord, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple of the Lord. And because of their salvation, they became the habitation of God. Verse 22, In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And so here are people who once were lost. But here are people who obeyed the gospel. Just like we can obey the gospel today. They obeyed the gospel by believing on Christ. 
by, by repenting of their sins, by confessing their faith in Christ, and by being baptized into Christ. Someone says, how do you know, Brother Lambert, that they were baptized into Christ? I have you to turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and following. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church, that is, God's household, God's building, God's temple, God's habitation. He loved the church and gave himself for her that he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. These people had been baptized for the remission of their sins. And they now weren't lost now they're found. I love that old song, Amazing Grace, because in that song we sing about how I once was blind, but now I see, once was lost, but now I'm found. And these people could sing that song because there was a time they were lost without God, without Christ, without hope. They were alienated from God. They were strangers from God. But as a result of Jesus Christ dying on the cross of Calvary, their sins were forgiven. God loved them enough that he made them a part of his body, of his flesh and of his bones, about his of part of his household, God, a part of his building, part of the temple. And this is where God dwells today. Yes, I go back to the statement we made earlier. Though the church is composed of those who once were lost, but now are found. Out of the book of Acts, let me give you an example of conversion that shows this very thing. It's the second chapter of Acts. The occasion is the day of Pentecost. The, the, the main spokesman that's re at least recorded in Scripture is the Apostle Peter. And he preaches about Jesus about his life, his death, his resurrection. And then the people asked this question, what shall we do? They realized now they were lost. They wanted to know what shall we do? And Peter's answer was to repent and to be baptized Every one of you, not some of you, but every one of you, by whose authority? By the, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the authority of Christ, and it's for the remission of your sins, not because you are already saved, but because you're lost and need to be saved. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children, all that are far off, and, and, and as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort them, saying, Say, save yourselves. Save yourselves from this untoward or crooked generation. If I were to have a message to mankind today, it would be save yourselves from this crooked generation. Once lost, now found. Isn't that beautiful? 
these people in Ephesus that composed the Ephesian church had once been lost, dead in sin, but because of Jesus, they were now saved. They were found. I'm speaking to someone right now who's lost without Christ. You know you are. You know you're lost without Jesus. And you know you need Jesus in your life. You see, things just go better with Jesus. So many people have tried it the other way to try to live without the Lord, try to live without Christ. And it hasn't worked out so well for them. I don't mean that if you give your life to Christ that, you'll, that it will be a, a life without any difficulties, without any disappointments, without any heartaches. Of course there are going to be disappointments. Of course there are going to be heartaches. But when you have your life in Christ, you have one who will be with you in those difficult times. I'm speaking to someone right now, a father, maybe a mother, who realizes that they need to make their home a Christian home. And maybe you've been thinking about it for a long, long time. And now is the time to make a decision for Christ. Now is the time. You may have small children. I can assure you, now is the time to begin to live for Christ in your home and bring those children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I want to thank you for watching today. If we can help you in any way, please let us know. And before we close, let me urge you to call for the free Bible course. Or if you prefer to take it online, we have that uh, information on the screen as well. Why don't you avail yourself of the opportunity to study the Bible? Do it today. Call or, eat or, or get online and take the Bible course. It's all free we want you to have it. May I encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community and you'll find people who once were lost, but now they're found and they're striving to help other people find the Savior. I want to thank you for watching. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Coming to Faulkner has been one of the best decisions of my life. Not only have I had the chance to meet many great professors, but I've had the chance to be educated by them and become their friends. I had the opportunity to serve the community through Faulkner service programs. I really enjoyed using my talents by helping others. At Faulkner University, we seek to educate the whole person, including mind, spirit, and soul. That's what makes us different. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580.
or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.